Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Chad and Cheese Badass Series. Today, we have Tom Becker, Executive (laughs) VP of Recruiting Operations, should be Executive VP of Badassery, uh, from the Judge Group. Everybody say hi to Tom. Hi, Tom. Dude, how much coffee did you have this morning? Holy cow. I have been up since 3.30. I've had like three pots. So just roll with this shit. Slow your roll, son. (laughs) So, Tom, are you out there? You didn't move, did you? I did not. I did not. Hey, guys, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, you're in Carolina, man. Have you been digging digging out snow all week or what? Yeah, well, we have. What's funny, it was a lot of snow. I went to the airport yesterday. I'm actually in Philly today. And Lots of snow by the airport, but no snow where we are. And you guys will get a chuckle out of this. They actually had a two-hour delay over nothing. So this, all the schools were delayed for no reason. Well, I mean, you guys really don't have any snow removal equipment, though, do you? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of hard, right? So it's like, yeah, we're going to kind of throw the dice here because if we say school's on uh, and it does snow, yeah, we're pretty fucked because there's no way we can get this stuff off the road. Well, it's the ice that's really scary because I'm from yeah. from Boston originally, so we're used to driving like with a half foot of snow, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was just, you're used to it, but I don't think anybody's used to it in Charlotte. I've been here for about 13 years. So all those angry Southern mothers that have to send their kids to school with little ice on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some background about you. Tell us about your just just some quick stuff about your Bank of America days. And what brought you to being an, an, an EVP mad scientist of tech shit at Judge? Who are you and why are you here? So I actually started um, with a company out of Boston. It was called Keen as a sourcer. Ah. So I'm of the old school. And this, this predates the job boards, which I know you guys love. But it predates that. And I actually started as a cold calling recruiter. Like my job <laughs> was to call the receptionist. And I don't think my kind exists anymore. But no. But that's, that's where I started. You know, I started with that. And, and, and back then, we actually were experimenting with some technology. So it's been something I've been interested my whole career. We were, we were using, like, you know, can we do um, events where we, people can sign up and we can do online screening bef- before it was a thing. And it was actually a lot of fun. So anyway, I got recruited from there to go to Bank of America. And I just had so much fun there. Um, what, what I did was I, I led a, a sourcing team when I was there. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I led all employment branding um, and then also uh, the sourcing for the company. But the thing that I got the bug was the Six Sigma bug. I be I went from like partial nerd to complete nerd at Bank of America <laughs> um, because it really made me feel like, oh my God, there's so much more to recruiting. There's more to process. There's more to how do you manage performance. And uh, got my green belt there, my black belt, and sort of went off from there. And then I went back to Comsys, so I went back into the industry. It was sort of like Michael Corleone. It couldn't keep, it just kept pulling me back in. So <laughs> once you got the bite for IT staffing or recruiting, you really, you love it and you miss it. So I went back and I just brought all this really cool stuff that I learned at the bank there. And uh, honestly, guys, we just crushed it. And then we got bought by that little staffing company out of Milwaukee called Manpower Group. <laughs> 
So were you one of the original like Boolean geeks, like shally groupies back in the mid aughts? Were you were you one of those guys? You know, it's funny because I was always the I was always the kid standing against the wall. I, I don't think I was one of the cool kids with that group. Um, <laughs> Wait a minute, did you just put Shally in the cool kid group? <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. I don't know. What you're um, no, I'm, I'm saying is I, I was always a bullying guy. Like I really, I love the bullying strings. But once I, start, I'm, I'm probably more with Kathy that I believe semantic is the key. And I think once I started realizing that, I'm like. I'm not looking back. I'm not creating these little bots. And I just sort of left that whole school of thought. Now, we we talked a little bit yesterday. And and one of the things that you said made me all warm inside. You said Boolean's dead. Yep. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I've been able to conduct and I know we talked a little bit about this yesterday. We So I, I did a few lean uh, assessments. I did about four in my career, principally around IT staffing or IT recruiting. Mm-hmm. And, and what I did was we looked and it was true. Do you guys remember the time and emotion studies? You guys know what they are, where they, you sit there and clock recruiter activity. Yeah. So it's, it's brutal, oh, it's right? Horrible. Horrible. It's painful, yeah. right? It's, but what I found, though, is if you watch a recruiter, if you sit a recruiter for three days, day one, they lie to you and they tell you what they're going to do, right? They don't nothing that they do. They do. They're just trying to show you that they follow protocol. Day two, they start to forget you're there. By day three, they really do what they do, right? And you get to spot all the inefficiencies and things like that. And what I learned is that about 66% of a recruiter's activity is non-value added. In other words, they spend a lot of time in busy work and 50% of that's in sourcing. So it's all centered around endless job board searching and searching, making these perfect algorithms. So when we watch recruiters try to make these perfect algorithms, these perfect bullying strings, it's a, it's, it's a complete waste of their time, mm-hmm. right? Like, What's more, so that's where they waste their time. If you could find a way to automate that, and I think that's where Semantic comes in. I think Semantic, if you have a good process and you're able to deliver or serve up good candidates, like you're, you're giving them literally back two, three hours every day. So, so I think that's why I went over to that school of thought. So for those uh, that don't know, define semantic search for me. It semantically pulls out. I know you can't use a definition to give a definition, but it pulls out all of the the words and it it creates the meaning around those words. So, for example, it knows, you know, if it's programmer, programming, it's able to pull all those things. If it's, you know, Oracle, AI, all the different versions of Oracle, and it pulls all those things and the semantics out of the resume, out of the job uh, description, and it creates a much cleaner search. That's able to take into account all the all the other aspects or all the semantics of what's in the resume and what's in the job description. So it, it goes a lot deeper and broader. Yep. So Chad and I uh, on the show talk a lot about you know startups and vendors that are sort of trying to to solve the puzzle of the auto, the automated sourcing tool. Uh, you say bullion is dead. Couldn't you say that sourcing is dead or on its way out? Well, well, by the way, and I, I should have started with this. Can I give you guys kudos or, or whatever that the, the uh, podcast with Peter Weddle? I don't know if it scared the, the hell out of me or if it educated me, but a little bit of both. Yeah, it was a really good podcast. But um, yeah, I, to be honest, I think that's that's sort of where we're heading. I, I, I think it's something everyone's afraid to admit, right? I mean, I believe recruiters should be focused around higher value activities, which is building relationships, engaging candidates, things like that. I think I think you can automate a lot of the non-value added steps of the process, which is sourcing, which is updating candidates, which is giving them feedback, prepping them for interview. I think all those things can be automated. So I, I, if it means sourcing, I don't know. 
Um, I wish I was that smart as you know um, your your guest Peter, but um, but yeah, I I think it's definitely going to be less and less in the future. Love that book. Uh, circa 2118. If you haven't listened to the podcast, de- definitely check it out. Or you can go to the TA Tech bookstore and, and and pick yourself up one. Something else that we talked about and we hear constantly, it's all about the bright and shiny. Now, you're you're a, a, a black belt, which means you can kick somebody's ass. That's what I believe that means. But also you, you are big on the process <laughs> side of the house. Talk about how this bright and shiny shit yeah. is just screwing parts process to death <laughs> i don't know if i could kick butt i could definitely kick some process but um <laughs> <laughs> so i, I think there, there's a really good article that was written in uh, um harvard business review by john boudreau and it's exactly that it's bright shiny objects and the future of hr and that's actually where i got that so i want to give kudos to to them that's that's where i referenced that but i i feel it seems to me like rather than focusing on your process that talent acquisition just wants to endlessly focus on all this top level funnel technologies that just these little shiny objects rather than focusing on, you know, your process and optimizing your process and being more efficient with your process and, and centering around, I mean, this could be a whole conversation around the key stakeholders, right? The candidate, the recruiter, and the hiring manager. I don't think we center around that. I think we would rather add another uh, technology or let's focus on predictive analytics, chatbots, big data, and just mm-hmm. forget big data, focus on little data, right? Forget top of funnel, focus on middle of funnel, because that's also just as important and almost entirely forgotten. So apparently you you test drive a lot of technologies. Uh, what are the shiniest things out there? What are what should our listeners be looking at in terms of the next big thing and, and what they might I have missed a lot of it, and, and it's not to say that the thing about these shiny objects is they can be amazing and they can be revolutionary. You know, um, the, the other, you know, your episode on Chatbox was was wonderful. I mean, it seems like Quincy was really focused on process. Mm-hmm. So anything that really enables the process. So, so we're experimenting with two, when we say two things, we experiment with technology, but we also experiment with process, which I know sounds crazy, right? So we'll actually do A-B testing around efficiency. So we'll say if a recruiter does this, does that yield more efficiency? If a recruiter does that, does it yield more efficiency? So... All those shiny objects that we should be thinking about are feedback loop technologies. I think they should be focusing more on on how easy apply technology. Texting seems to be a really big aspect of, you know, knowing where and how to use text. But I think those are the three big areas is, you know, really focusing on how does it enable the process as opposed to just technology for the sake of technology. So I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. Give me some names of vendors. Don't just tell me broad, broad categories. Yeah, so so we use um, Sense HQ. I don't know if you guys uh, sure you've heard of them. Uh, but well, first I know you guys do mm-hmm. this as well. But I want to give a shout out to our CIO. His name is Ken Krieger. You guys, you guys should have him on your show. He, he's a thirty-year veteran with the Judge Group. He is a recruiter that turned into a CIO, which is unheard of, right? So he believes in the same philosophy that the only time they will implement technology, it's for the sake of enabling process. So. We've been able to to integrate Sense HQ, um, and it's done some really amazing things. We could talk through that. Also, Text Us, uh, we've been able to uh, to implement uh, fairly successfully, and we're also test test driving Maya as well. So, Text Us would that be a text recruit Canvas competitor or something different? What uh, uh, Text Us does, it's similar. Yeah, Text Recruit I think is a competitor, but um, so basically, what what we did what we did with uh, Text Us 
is we integrated it into, so we have a homemade um, uh, in-house ATS, which I think is one of the best in the industry. I really do. And I've seen the other ones uh, and use a lot of them. But what we've been able to do is integrate texting into our applicant tracking system where you can actually do it natively from the system, from the candidate record, or even from the um, a download that you have on your iPhone. So you could, it's as if you're texting them from your phone as well. So that's what we use. And we use it for top of funnel. And we're now experimenting and innovating around, can we also use it for mid-funnel mid activities, like updating and you have an interview scheduled or things like that. I think testing process improvement is genius. I mean, that that's where companies should start. As a matter of fact, uh, it sounds like I'm beating a dead horse for God's sakes, but all these damn companies who have really just pulled their 1990 style application process methodology into their ATS uh, has just really fucked everything up. So your thoughts on just blowing up the process, starting from ground zero, not even thinking about vendors until you get your new process down and then start to look for the bright and shiny. Absolutely. And, and we, we do a training, um, a session with new recruiters, probably like once every other month. And, and I get to give a, a talk about process. And I always say, and you guys, I think you'll get a chuckle out of this, but I always say if, if you started in recruiting 20 years ago, and you went into a coma and you woke up today, you could probably get right back yeah. to work. And probably be incredibly successful uh, because you're actually calling people and you're doing the human to human thing as opposed to waiting for somebody to fucking email you or call you. Can you imagine that? Like they would actually yes. be like engaging uh -huh. on the phone. They may actually source people. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Could you argue that automation is make will make us more human because the the grunt work will be done by machines and we'll we'll be able to have real relationships well, or no? It's funny you say that because I would I, I actually think that in order for in order to create a more engaging process you need a more efficient process. Right. So I, I think that's the key. If if you free up the recruiter's time to do things like have meaningful discussions with candidates and get to know them. I think that, but you can't do that if you down, if you give them an overburdening amount of recs or, you know what I mean? You can't do that. You have to be efficient. So I think automations and efficiencies, if done right, should create a more human experience or more engaging process. So we've talked about shiny things, but I, I want to talk a little bit about fool's gold. <laughs> uh, what technologies out there do you think are just absolute shit or maybe trends that you will fade uh, quickly without much of a, with much fanfare. Well, there's, there's one that I just, it's interesting to me that just never caught on yet. It's, it's, or maybe it has, and I just didn't pay attention enough, but video interviewing just never caught on. Or have you guys seen that? I've never seen it caught on. I mean, and we went so, everyone wanted to rush there and everyone video, doing video interviews, but I think that's one that, yeah, you're right, right, right. Or new, like fandangled versions of resumes and, and things like that, but I think that that's one thing. The other thing that seems to be, I don't know if it's fool's goal, but it seems to be really high in the hills is giving all like, not only do you give feedback, but you give like meaningful feedback to say, let's give you career advice and coaching. Guys, I think candidates, they want to work for a company and a manager, right? And, and I don't think they want, I think we try to give, we try to stuff all this stuff to them and say, we're going to give you this advanced career coaching and advice. And I don't know. I, I think that's I think that's sort of fool's gold. And or maybe it's just so far up there that I don't think we're, we're going to get there yet. Well, I'm going to throw one out at you. What about blockchain? 
virtual reality. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I, what's funny is I was with uh, when I worked for Manpower, I think they tried to do like a second life thing. This is like 10 years. I know. It was a complete, <laughs> Hell it was yeah. a complete disaster. It was, it was terrible. Um, so yeah, not there. I'm sorry. I, I know I, who, who is it that love, who, who talks about virtual reality. I don't think it's there yet. Yeah, Joel loves virtual reality. Yeah, yeah he just he just wants to put <laughs> something on his face and have somebody feed him 24 seven. Sit on the couch. He would be in his boxers. He would be like in freaking utopia. Uh, but what about blockchain? What do you, we keep hearing about blockchain and how powerful it is? And but we don't really see any products that are worth a shit that are sold with quote unquote blockchain. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I think with the, the power of blockchain, it's able to authenticate, right? And then put it across the blockchain where, where it's there and you can't remove it, right? It's it's in all of the nodes. But I I don't know. You know, I, I, th- I think, to be honest with you, I think it might be my fool's goal, right? Because I think there is potential there. I just think it's got to be done well with the right platform that's big enough and, and able to really provide that authentication. And and I think it's not only authenticating skills, it could be authenticating things like, do they, you know, are they good workers? Do they show up on time? Are they, do they get along with others? Imagine if that was a blockchain and you couldn't erase that for a long time. I mean, think about the impact that will have on the workforce. The candidates, I, I mean, they really don't know what blockchain means. Uh, employers don't even know what blockchain means, right? So it's almost like trying to go out there and beat them to death with a word that is so high tech that they should use that they don't understand. So, I mean, everything that you talked about, you know, being able to validate and and just the authentication pieces, I mean, all of that is incredibly important, but that's not what's going to sell HR and or talent acquisition. Totally agree. Right. I mean, it was almost like, remember, predictive analytics was the same thing. Everyone just wanted to use it. Even big data. Everyone was obsessed with big data. And I remember I did a, I did a, a talk at SourceCon. I'm like, forget big data. Use your little data for crying out loud. Like, you, you're, mm-hmm. you have no idea how to use your data. Um, but I, th- I honestly, I think there is promise in blockchain. But I agree with you. It's not, it's not hey, you should do blockchain. It's you should find a better way to authenticate skill sets than in this in this IT staffing industry. The staffing industry has massive implications because you could go to a client and say, here are validated Java developers who are proven to have a good track record. You know, their their code is actually validated by peers that have a high score, you know, on, on other websites. I mean, mm-hmm. that's really powerful. And I think, but again, it's not we're not it's not blockchain, it's solving the problem of authentication. Right. That's what it's doing. We focused a lot on technology for obvious reasons, but I'm, I'm curious your opinion on employment branding. Uh, are we overrating the importance of employment branding or are we uh, paying enough attention to it? And, and by what you mean, like the just general talent acquisition, right? Like the- employment branding is, is a hot topic, right? Glassdoor was acquired for a billion plus dollars. Um, you know, companies spend a lot of money to keep people, you know, in the building and get them in the building in the first place. And the culture and what it's like to work there and everything is really important. Glassdoor just, you know, put out their best companies to work for. A lot of their competitors are doing the same thing. Are we overrating the importance of that or not? You know, I, I think we I think we are. And and here, here's where I'll tell you why. And, and I could go I could go either way on this, but it seems to me that if you spend all that time on employment brand and it's inauthentic. It's not authentic. In other words, if if you spend all that time getting people excited about this, you know, 
people drinking beer, playing football, oh, like or, or whatever it is, right? Whatever brand. Yeah, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Um, however, if you're spending all that time and then you show up and you being the candidate and it's inauthentic, then you've kind of wasted all that time. You know, it's got to be authentic all the way through the process. Isn't the value of sort of online reviews the fact that you're getting the real nitty gritty? You're not getting what the corporation's telling you it's like to work here. You're you're looking at the the workers telling you what it's like to work there. Is that is that important? That is important, right? Because that and that's what employment brand tries to leverage, right? Or try to tweak or change, right? Or but that's really important. I mean, I, I do think that authenticating from the inside, you know, what it's like to really work there. I think that's incredibly, it's exposing, right? Or it's, or it's encouraging. So that aspect of it, I think, is incredibly important. If you use that aspect as a means of employment branding, then I think it's really powerful, right? But it's, it's more about trying to make something different or make something attractive that potentially isn't. That's a huge downfall. Excellent. When you're, when you're taking a look at employment branding platforms, we're taking a look at uh, sourcing platforms, all these different platforms that are out there. I mean, this is a really cool time to be in recruiting. I mean, the last five years, I mean, before this, this big peak uh, really sucked. I mean, it's boring as hell, but this is last like 24 months have been pretty awesome. So what is your favorite platform today? I mean, you just can't wait to get up and use it every single day or test drive it. I don't know that we have any shiny object here. I, I don't know that I, I think it's an incredibly exciting time. And I think if you're not using all of them, like we, we use all the social platforms really well, or I should say fairly well, and that it drives candidates. We're constantly interacting with, with the talent communities. But I, I don't have like that one or two thing that I say, oh, we got to use to engage or attract. And because mm-hmm. I think it's more where the people, where the candidates are going, right? So. I, I'm, I hate to I hate to pull up a you know a mulligan in this one, but I don't really have one that I'm excited about. Where are the candidates going? It, you know, so I, th- I think they're searching um, the they're just doing a Google search, right? I think that's where the candidates are definitely going. I think mobile, right, because it drives them to like their their area, their neighborhood. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to any one or two place right now. It's so it's really it's really been distributed uh, fairly evenly. It seems like it seems like Google's really doing a good job. To make it so it's the search, right? And you gotta you gotta value high on that search result. Um, but I don't think they're all running to one place. I mean, unless you guys are, you probably see more than I do. But I don't see one absolutely dominating or the over the other. So you mentioned Google a few times. What do you think about Google for Jobs? How do you think that's going to impact, or how has it already started to impact? the industry? And is that why we're seeing such a huge change and more innovation? I think so. And by the way, I love the fact that they set up shop in Japan. I think that was awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, because it's like, so hey, recruit, you know, I, everyone was all upset about Ronstadt and Monster. No one re- like Indeed, like, come on. You know, I mean? it's, it's, it's a staffing company that owns Indeed. Um, so I love that. Right. I love what they're doing. I, I think we, we had a meeting with Monster um, a couple of weeks ago. I'm not saying necessarily monster or cribble or whatever, but I think I don't think Google is going to want to own this space. I think Google wants to provide mm-hmm. their partners the ability to win. And I think indeed it was almost going to they were trying to corner their backyard. And I think Google just was like, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to disintermediate it. And I think that's exactly what they did. 
Interesting. Question about the gig economy. Um, obviously, trending. Uh, we talk a lot about it uh, on the show. Um, I recently wrote a, a blog post uh, talking about uh, Upwork partnering with Microsoft, which, which I believe will potentially be a, a major acquisition uh, target for someone like Microsoft going into the next year, where they have, you know, LinkedIn, they have GitHub, and now they have Upwork. Uh, talk about your thoughts on the gig economy and maybe how it, how that, uh, that, that that reality fits into recruiting today and tomorrow? I think, um, I think, I think it's going to be a lot more prevalent. I mean, if you look at, um, like when I worked for Manpower Group, we were able to visit a lot of other markets, European markets, Latin American markets. And our, I believe our penetration rate for contractors um, before I go to the gig economy is like 4%. It's not as high as people think it is, you know, in terms of contractors. Uh, whereas in other countries, it's like 30% or 20%. It's really high. So I think that that's a trend that will come here. You know, I think more of the U.S. Uh, economy will be a gig-based economy or a temporary labor economy. And, um, and that's why I, I actually love the work they're doing. I, I think I think when someone figures out sort of the Uberization of, of jobs, I think that's going to be a huge innovation, right? So I applaud what they're doing. I think that's the right direction to go. Yeah. My last question is uh, in regards to privacy. Um, obviously, you're familiar with GDPR over in Europe. Uh, we were interviewing uh, the the founder of um, Hiring Solved, who said they basically threw away you know 29 million profiles in Europe because it just wasn't worth the time to deal with the privacy issues. How how do you feel privacy uh, is going to impact recruiting, uh, particularly here in North America in the future? I think I think it will impact, but I'll say me personally, like I'm that guy that like doesn't care, and I know that's wrong, right? Like I just think. Someone wants to take my data, they're just going to do it, right? So I'm probably on one extreme end of that. Um, but I, I think it's it seems like it's going to be out further than we believe it will be here in the U.S., right? I think it's impacting. Actually, I, I, I lead a few forums in the IT staffing industry. Like one, it's all CFOs. Another one, it's all recruiting directors. And I've asked this question a couple times. I'm like, are you impacted yet by GDPR and these other things? And they're saying no. I, I, the ones that have European operations, they're saying yes. It's more of an IT impact where they have to change where the data resides and you know how that interacts. But I, I don't see it impacting over the next, like the immediate future, at least over the next couple of years. It's becoming more of a box in the staffing industry. Like, are you GDPR compliant, right? And but I don't know that they're really ready to say what that means. So I, I don't, I don't, unless there's something like big, like remember when Microsoft. Was uh, was sued with the whole co-employment thing. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's here yet. It hasn't reached our shores yet. What's really impacted yeah. companies that are principally in North America or in the U.S. Hit us yet, but assuming that it does, how does that impact recruiting? It. it I, see, I think it impacts more the CIOs of recruiting companies, if that makes sense, or it impacts more the way the data resides. I don't know that it actually. Again, the recruiting process is the process, what the recruiter does. It won't impact what the recruiter actually does, right? Because then their IT organizations, they're going to have to scramble to figure out how do they serve up this data to the recruiter. So I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say, I don't think there will be a major impact. I really don't um, because it's more for IT to figure out. It won't really impact the core process of talent acquisition. Right, because all of the all of the interworkings of GDPR and then also in 2020 there's even more strict guidelines that are going in in California. So 2020, I mean the US to, I mean everybody does business pretty much in California. So it's going to happen. 
in the U.S. by 2020. Uh, but yeah, I can see just from a process standpoint, from how you uh, keep the data, uh, how the individual can manage the data, that uh, that's what it all comes down to. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've never heard it put that way before, but that, that obviously clean and, and simple. Well, it, it may impact you know databases, right? Like where the data actually mm-hmm. resides. But again, to the recruiter, if they have an effective IT organization, they should serve. They should find a way to say, okay, you're sourcing in Europe, and now that use that database, right? Like it's. I don't know that it really impacts the core fundamental process of talent acquisition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Tom, sir, that is all we have time for today. We know you're a busy guy being the EVP of recruiting operations and all the cool shit over at uh, the judge group. We appreciate you taking the time coming on the show. And uh, we expect uh, you to share this with all your peers, your friends, your family, and they all need to subscribe by the end of the day. Tom, for those that want to connect with you, how would they do that? I would connect with judge at uh, www.judge.com, but also I'm at Tom Becker on uh, Twitter. Excellent. We out. Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. This has been the Chad and Cheese podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit chadcheese.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.